Welcome back to Brian's Rompod. I hope you're having a great week. Ever wondered why sticking to an exercise routine can be so challenging, or why some people seem to enjoy their workouts more than others? The answer lies in our emotional connection to exercise. Katie Kennedy, a PhD holder from the University of Surrey, has spent years exploring this fascinating topic. I have split the podcast into two, and in the first part she explains what was her experience of sport at school and how she came about researching for her PhD. I really hope you enjoy our chat. So you're thinking about running, but not sure how to take the first step. My name is Brian Patterson, and I'm here to help. Welcome to Brian's Rompod. day as we have an incredible guest joining us. You might remember in my previous episode, we delved into the world of running with the fantastic Tamsin Birdland, now who had received coaching from the one and only Andrew Wren. Tamsin had a great suggestion for our show, the brilliant Katie Kennedy. Katie holds a PhD in psychology from the prestigious University of Surrey, where her research centered on a fascinating topic, how people experience emotions during exercise, and more importantly, how we can enhance those feelings to enhance our overall well-being. Her doctoral journey took her on a quest to unravel the mysteries of whether our emotions during exercise influence our future commitment to physical activity. And she also tackled the enigma of the New Year's resolutions related to exercise, finding the both yes and no moments in that saga. But wait, there's more. Katie even explored the world of beginner running podcast programs. Yikes. And a real treasure trove of insights. So you can see why I'm absolutely thrilled that Katie has graciously agreed to be our guest today. Uh, without further ado, let's extend a, extend a warm welcome to the podcast to the brilliant Katie. <laughs> Anyway, how's it doing? response. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, how, how are you today? I am very well, thank you. I didn't run today. I actually went for a walk along the canal with my older son, but we did run together yesterday, and I'm very happy that he's taken up running about a year or two ago. Yeah. How did, what were you like at running at school? What was your or not running but with keeping fit and generally I actually grew up in Sydney and so we lived near the beach so we'd go swimming in the sea for about six months a year I played tennis with my dad a couple of times a week and I used to cycle around just for transport but I didn't really like running at all the only exposure I had to at school was pretty much cross-country and unlike the British experience, which usually involves mud and ice and crossing streams and brooks, like right. at the, my secondary school, mine involved sand dunes. <laughs> oh, I see. Very nice. <laughs> yeah, my school was next to the beach, so we had to run over these sand dunes in the middle of summer as part of our cross-country. So that's how to get people to hate running. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. But were you involved in any sort of team sports or anything like that? Only tennis, that was about it. Yeah, I've never really been into team sports. I, I actually play cricket sometimes now, yeah, and tennis, but 
it's funny, I end up, I'm, I'm now teaching sports, group dynamics and sports psychology. I don't really know that much about like football or, oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> or rugby or any of the things my students play a lot of, but I can, I know how to apply psychology to things. So that's my area of expertise. <laughs> I suppose you can delve into the nuance of it because I suppose it's because team sports obviously have a very familiar type of elements, I suppose. Yeah, team. There's a lot of there's a lot of social psychology in team sports. Definitely, that's a unifying factor. And the more the bigger the team gets, obviously, the more complex the dynamics get. And there's also um, lots of stuff around leadership as well. For example, coaches or um, you know lots of kind of different roles, like a captain. There's so many complex kind of dynamics going on with team sports. So yeah, it's really interesting stuff. Yeah. I know this is a little bit off topic, but I know there was the a play recently came out, I think a, a couple of months ago, about the concerning the England team and Gareth Southgate's approach to penalty taking. And I thought that was used a lot of psychology I- involved in it. And uh, yeah. apparently that's supposed to be quite, quite something, quite a really interesting play about and how he went into the backgrounds of each of the players, that kind of thing. But, Wow, it's really interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's definitely that, that... a big area because fundamentally we're all social creatures. And if That's you're true. in a team, then the social dynamics are really important. So, for example, one of my colleagues researches esports. And, oh, yes. And they, again, it's a lot of team, a lot of teamwork. And again, the social dynamics are really critical right. in how a team performs at esports. And there was so much crossover, actually, between what I was teaching in group dynamics and sport and what he was finding out in his research with group dynamics in esports. There was so much crossover. It's very interesting. Mm. Yeah. Oh, okay. Is that games where they play as a team or? Yeah. Yeah, it's okay. All right. Yeah, I don't know much about esports. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm a I'm a little bit of a gamer. I play Formula One game, but then that's oh, that's, okay. that's maybe something for another time. <laughs> yeah. From school to going to university um, was were you still? I know you were an exercise psychologist, but were you do were, were sports still quite a big part of your life? Or? Sorry, there's a really noisy helicopter going over. Could you just... All right. Yeah, really what I wanted to say is that transition from going from school over to, to university was where you wanted to get involved in sport or not really? Oh, God, no. I hated sport at university. Really? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've actually got four degrees. I've had several transitions to university. Uh, my first one, I did a chemistry degree and... I showed no interest whatsoever in any kind of sport or exercise. I just walked to university a lot. That was about it. And then probably, it was probably after I left university that I just started doing a bit of exercise now and again. And then I had kids and got probably a bit more exercise in my life just because you want to be a good role model for your kids and so on. And then I did an open university degree and then I did a master's at Reading. And that was when I got into running because I ran a race. I'd run a half marathon when I was 30, when my son was one. And someone signed me up for a half marathon. I didn't train for it because I had a baby to look after and I didn't know what I was doing. And I went out and ran and and I did this race and it was miserable. (laughs) It was awful. A half marathon is a very long way if you haven't trained. It is. It is a very hard, long way. Yeah. It is. And then I gave up running for 10 years because it was so horrible. And then 
I started my master's at Reading and I thought I need a form of exercise which will fit around a very busy commute to uni, dropping the kids off at their school and so on. And I, I was like, I'm going to need some very time efficient exercise in my life. So what I was know. the master's in? Was that? That was psychological research methods. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So I decided to take up running and actually Reading has a lovely campus. I used to just do a little jog around the campus every so often. And then I thought maybe I should... Oh, no, that's what it was. I, no, I did another half marathon and hated it and then decided to take up running. But then that was the main reason was because I thought I had to in order to fit something into my life. And running is the most flexible and accessible thing to do, isn't it? So did you um, do did you was it just kits, trainers then out the door? There's no science behind it. You didn't really look into what are the different forms of of running interval tempos that kind of thing I mean oh there was no science whatsoever it was just I took my running kit to uni if I had a lunch break I'd go for a run for half an hour that was pretty much it and then I I decided actually that I wanted to running so then I started running with friends occasionally which I still think is the number one best thing to do if you want to enjoy running and there's actually some psychology behind that. There's actually some research behind it because if you're running, then you're going to be going slower. And it's also going to distract you from things being a bit unpleasant if you're running with friends or with other people. So it can be a really good idea to run with other people, especially if they're slower than you. That's even better. <laughs> I've never done that. I know when races, yeah, there is, if things do find it is difficult, then if you're running within a group or... Well, I was talking to one of my colleagues at work and you target someone ahead of you yeah. and then that helps to help motivate. Absolutely. Oh, so you don't run with other people generally? No, I don't. I think for me, I do have a bit of a love-hate relationship with it, maybe like most people. Um, <laughs> sometimes I'm looking at, it was like the other day I went running out. I usually, when I go to the gym, I go running as a warm-up, but I don't run yeah. on the program. If it's nice, because I think, what's the point? And so <laughs> the other day, um, I said to myself, oh, I'm going to enjoy this. And I enjoyed the run. And it was really re- quite relaxing. Mm. Uh, and whereas other times, the first 10 minutes are like hell. And it's you just will yourself. And mm. I use a, the same route. And then by the end of it, like you, you said in your, um, in, in your blog, you have that kind of endorphins rush. And, you know, you you feel, yeah, I felt really good about that. But yeah, but yes, maybe I might enjoy it more if I was took time to go to a local running club or something like that. Then it might make me enjoy it a bit more. A bit more. But there was time. I think you should treat it as an experiment. Yes, maybe I will do. <laughs> Report back. <laughs> I think so, maybe make sure you're not running with people who are considerably faster than you, though, because that can be uh, very no. disheartening. Yeah. Because there is a local running shop and they do, I think they do people who are quite fast and then there are people who aren't so fast or run as a group, that kind of thing. Uh, that's, that's a good idea. It's a good idea. I, I'm quite surprised if you're able to um, continue running regularly without running to other people because I think it's a real kind of key kind of way of staying engaged with running as a habit personally. Yes. I think my philosophy, especially during lockdown, has been, to have a plan and that helped me a lot Mm. I don't know when you did your research whether that helped 
motivate people that they had to complete a particular plan. So I did the wrong keeper plan 10k yeah. plan and it was 12 weeks where you can make it and then you there are various parameters you could change and you mm-hmm. would create the plan according to those parameters so but i quite enjoyed that because it was kind of set me a goal you run at this pace yes. this distance and that kind of thing and then it yeah. progressed during there's the- a real sense of achievement if you have a plan and you manage to stick to yeah. it definitely yeah. definitely mm. so i think that's part of the Part of the kind of attraction of Couch to 5K programs is that there is a fixed time that you're supposed to run for and walk for, and you're told exactly what to do. And you don't need to, you don't need to make up your own plan. You're just, you're literally told what to do, especially if you're listening to a podcast that that tells you when to run and when to walk. And then you go through each week. I think the issue then can, can be what you do after that. Once you've finished that program. How do you stay motivated to get up the door? The thing I found quite surprising listening to other running podcasts or other people is that experienced runners will go back to the couch to 5K as a way of, I haven't run, yeah, Mm -hmm. I haven't run for a while, for six months or three months, I'll go back to the couch to 5K. Absolutely. Or Or if they've been injured and off for a while, and they want to start gent- gently and not break themselves. I've realised that myself and actually quite a few of my participants as well. Quite a few of my participants in the beginner running groups and also people who joined my my other study on podcasts, they had run in the past and sometimes they did use Catch 5K or, or other programmes as a way of getting them back into running. So, yeah, it's like a gentle on-ramp in a way, I think. Yeah, mm. yeah. So moving on, what made you decide to do as PhD on this particular, as it were, this kind of psychology of running. Let's take a quick break. Just a short break to tell you about some exciting news. We have a new feature on the podcast. You can now send me a message. Yep, you heard it right. Brian's Rompod has become interactive with the audience. If you look at the top of the episode description, tap on send us a text message. You can tell me what you think of the episode or alternatively, what you would like covered. If you're lucky, I might even read them out on the podcast. Now, back to the podcast. So I did my master's at Reading and then I decided I wanted to do something to do with exercise for my PhD. Sorry, Teams is trying to open for some reason. Okay, let me close that. (laughs) That's probably annoying. It's like, why why is Zoom on your computer? You should be on Teams. Right, okay, got rid of that. Um, yeah, so I, I did my, go away Teams. I am not here for, <laughs> especially given it's trying to open my, my other account. <laughs> so, um, I decided I wanted to do something to do with exercise. Right. And I contacted uh, Surrey University and said I wanted to, I was interested in working with a supervisor, my supervisor there, Chris Fiveshaw, yeah. yeah. lovely man. And we had a chat and I said, I'm, I really love exercise. I want people to enjoy exercise as much as I do. I'd really like to find out how we can, how we can do that. And he was like, I hate exercise. I had a heart attack. And the only reason I exercise is my doctor told me I was going to die if I didn't. So oh, right. I'm interested in this too. <laughs> so he gave me a paper to read about 
feelings during exercise and went away and read it and was like, okay, how about it? And actually, most of the research at the time was on treadmills in the lab, very much laboratory based. And Mm. I was like, that's great. But I wonder if these kind of results apply in real life scenarios, perhaps outdoor running or outdoor walking. Mm. Is it the case that this is the same kind of, will you get the same kind of effect that if you enjoy the exercise, you're more likely to continue in the future? So I decided to do a study on beginner running groups. I had a friend who ran a beginner running group. So I thought, right, I can go along, get some participants. I can find out how they're feeling during the run. And then I can follow them up six months later and find out whether they're still exercising. So it sounded simple in principle. And then about two years later, I finally finished collecting my data. (laughs) Because it takes a very long time to collect this kind of data. You have to go out, you have to find the group, you have to talk to people, you have to ask them to participate. And then you have to find a, I had to find a a group that was actually starting at a particular time so that I could go in the first week. I actually went in the final week as well to to re-interview them afterwards. And then I followed them up afterwards too. So just collecting data a very long time took, it was quite complicated as well, trying to record people when they were out running so they could give me a number in terms of how they felt but also like why they felt that way because I wanted some like some reasons why they felt that way as well not just like number four on the scale Mm. yeah that was interesting I actually lost one participant in the woods once she went off the wrong direction she followed some some different runners and (laughs) so you so you were running with them I was running with them them. yeah yeah so they usually met in kind of parks and near canals and rivers and that kind of thing so it was very much outdoors there were a lot of grass cutters a lot of grass cutters interfering with my recordings (laughs) (laughs) and a lot of heavy breathing a lot of panting went on okay all right (laughs) (laughs) so yeah i'm trying to and also as they got better as well the, the groups would get more and more spread out so trying to find all the different participants ask them how they were feeling was entertaining yeah, it was a great study. And I did find out during that study, and the, the kind of the main result was that, yes, if people felt better during running at the very start, then they were more likely to be still doing some exercise, not necessarily running, but more exercise six months later. Okay. So that was like the take home message of that, the kind of the, the numerical kind of side of it. And then I had lots of qualitative data around what people talked about and how they talked about running. And I've got loads and loads of interesting results about that. Who do you, so you said in, in the beginning, how they felt about running, if they felt as a positive about running, then they're more likely to keep running six months, six months later. Is that right? It was a bit more complex than that. It was, so sometimes people hated it because they felt like they had to run fast or if they were with other people who were running, who were much fitter than them, for example, then they had to run run fast and then they felt really bad. And then they were less likely to be exercising six months later. So it was the kind of the number on the scale. So it was a really simple scale. It went from minus five, which is very bad, to plus five, which is very good. And it, zero was neutral in the middle. So if people went very low on that scale during the run, then they were less likely to be exercising six months later, basically, which kind of makes sense in a way, because if you hate doing something, then you're probably quite likely to give up, give it up quite early on. 
So it makes sense intuitively, but that hadn't been shown in a kind of like a normal everyday outdoor situation. It hadn't been shown on a treadmill in, in a laboratory. Mm. The kind of the qualitative data were, I thought, really interesting. I had so much data because I had about 90 participants in total. Right. And they talked a lot about running with other people, all kinds of things. And then there was like, I also did field notes. So I was observing them and seeing what they did and how they behaved. And yeah, it was a very interesting study, definitely. Lots to think about there. So I'm just thinking about my experience. Did you interview them as to why they got to the start line? As they talked about that. Usually um, they joined a beginner running group because they knew someone. It was yes. very much word of mouth. This was quite a while ago, so I'm not quite sure how how it would be nowadays that it's easier to find stuff online than it was back then, perhaps. It was very much like word of mouth or they saw a poster in the local park or, or that kind of thing. And they decided to go along because they wanted to be in a beginner group. They wanted to. Also, there were a lot of women in the groups as well, a much higher percentage of women than men. And the men were a bit, which I couldn't quite work out why men didn't want to join beginner runner groups, but it was a definite phenomenon. And the, the, the run leaders all said that, yes, there were always a lot more women than, than men in their beginner groups, which is really interesting, I thought. Do you think, oh, I don't know, uh, do you think they had a more, women had more predilection to be in a group than men rather like to be more solitary? Could that have been I'm not sure, maybe. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe men, I don't know. I was trying to work out how you would market it better at men, maybe like how to run properly or how to have more, true. How to get That's expertise. And yeah. I thought maybe that might be a more male way to market it. It, it was very, it's really interesting observation that women are more likely to join I, I don't know whether that's still the case like I say this was quite a few years ago now hopefully yeah. a lot more men join run, begin running groups now but <laughs> some of the women said they didn't they they didn't like running by themselves because they felt a bit exposed but actually I had one or two men say that as well in the groups so oh oh okay okay so uh so that, that's the reason why they might run on their own or something like that Possibly, yes. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was just like a minor kind of part of that study, but it was an interesting thing. So maybe I should do more research on that. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, I was just saying that for exercise, is all, well, for me, has always been quite an important thing well, because I have, I had epilepsy, but it's not, it's, no, it doesn't affect me anymore. But yeah. you know, at school, it was quite a major thing. But the one mm-hmm. outlet I did have was sport. I was quite. I was quite good at sport. But academically, it wasn't, I think maybe the epilepsy affected me academically, but sport I was quite good at. And I think that just carried on. Yeah. So it's always been an important part of my life. I just wondered if maybe some of the participants, maybe it was just like integral to them that their day to day is that they include exercise as part of their, their daily routine. And it's always there. But- Lots of people don't include exercise as part of their daily routine. I think it's only something like 25% of the population meet the physical activity guidelines. <laughs> I thought that was, that's quite a lot. I thought it was a lot. But also in terms of more people walk rather than run. Running is still very popular. It has yeah. become very popular, I think. And during COVID, it was marked how m- many people took it up, which was very interesting, I thought. So mm. I wonder how many of those people who took it up during lockdown have continued. That would be, yes. I, I, I'm hoping someone's done a study on that would be great. 
And that's a wrap for another exhilarating episode of Brian's Rompod. Thanks for tuning in, folks. As always, we've got your back with all things running. And next week, get ready for some awesome beginner hints and tips to kickstart your running journey. Oh, and before we sign off, exciting news. We're now available on YouTube. So whether you're padding the pavement or chilling at home, you can catch us there too. Plus, we have a new feature on the podcast. You can now send me a message. Yep, you heard it right. Brian's Rompod has become interactive with the audience. If you look at the top of the episode description, tap on send us a text message. You can tell me what you think of the episode or alternatively what you would like covered. If you're lucky, I might even read them out on the podcast. Hey, if you want to keep up with the latest updates, behind the scenes fun and even some exclusive content, make sure to follow me on social media. You can find me on Twitter or should I say X at Brian's Rompod. We've also just launched a shiny new Facebook page. Simply search for Brian's Rompod and give us a like. And don't forget to hop on over to Instagram where you can catch all our visual adventures at Brian's Rompod. For those of you who love diving deep into the episodes, head over to our website, www.briansrompod.co.uk. And there you'll find detailed show notes, handy chapter markers, make it too easy to navigate through our favourite discussions. Please leave a review as it will always help find peel others find this podcast. Music is by Happy Days by Stock Audio, not forgetting artwork by Alice Patterson. Till next week, thanks again for listening. 